Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and JC. And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers, who hate writing. Hey, Goldie, I had a, I had a question for you. Have we ever used the term shituation? It sounds like something <laughs> on oh, the podcast or well, ever. In, in life. Like, it sounds like something you might have said a while ago, but I just don't. Because I feel I, like I, maybe we used it to refer to that guy, Mike, the situation on Jersey right. Shore. <laughs> Probably true. Yeah. But, but I, I think in our life, that would be a useful term because I have one of those. You in one? You in one, pal? Are you I, had, I had one this morning. Okay. okay. I was taking a dump. And I'm in our our guest house now. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we no, really are trying to elevate the level start. of discourse. We're off to a flying start. Okay. But this, uh, yeah, this my guest... uh, co-host was taking a shit. Okay, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> oh, I'm Take sorry. This is this is so beneath you. You're you're elevated comedy. I forgot. High on Mount Olympus, Mount Baldy, maybe. Anyway, so it's very it's very cold in this guest house. There's no Good. heat. So I had I had to take a shit in a parka, which shit. is not a problem. Like you can do that, but then when it comes to the end cleanup part, oh. your arms mm. are you're not used to it. So it was a situation, and I thought, has have we used that term before? And I think you're saying the answer is maybe back in the Jersey Shore days. Yeah, well, you know, I come on here and every day I go, maybe this will be the best one ever. You know? and, and I think right. people listen with the hopes of First like I wonder the what day. they're going to share First with us the and then you come on and it, it just begins with a cold shit <laughs> <laughs> would, a, would a warm shit be better? <laughs> a little bit um, this is from the guy who gave us an in-depth description of his Cologuard process Ooh, I yes. will remind you <laughs> the exploding yeah. shit in the box well um, I'll, I'll keep us in the bathroom for a minute because I had an experience there this week which was uh, so the the shower was not draining well, and so I I have this kind of like little sink plunger thing that has fixed a lot of stuff in my house. So I just was like, I'll just apply that and get it going. And of course, it just made it worse. And then it's like not draining at all. And 
look at me. It's not my fault, right? Like, I'm not getting anything caught in the drain. So I'm, I'm kind of livid. I have to go buy a plumbing snake, a 25-foot plumbing snake. Oh, I send it God. down the drain, and I pull up what I called a little Stephanie. It was like a little version of my wife. It's like listening to the Ramones. It's kind of edgy. It's got like a punk haircut. It's just this ball of hair. It's gross, but whatever. I So I... I fix the drain and I'm like, okay, now I get to take a shower and then turn on the shower. And I, I would say within three minutes, the sh- shower head just comes flying off. So <laughs> oh, you know oh, how no. you, you, you live in a home like it, it, you go, how did these two things happen within five minutes of each other? Right. Like it's insane. The drain they doesn't work. And then all of a sudden the shower head is flying off. Like there's a poltergeist and it, it flew off in a way this, the plastic housing that held it on had snapped. So now, I have to get a new shower head. So, of course, then you have to research shower heads. So this is now like a four-day process to get the shower fixed. So I get the shower head, and the instructions are four steps. They say, like, unscrew the old shower head, screw on the new shower head. I do that. It just is leaking everywhere. So I'm like, this is not right now. So this turns into a day of, like... (laughs) You've got to scrub the Teflon tape off. And then it's like, don't use Teflon tape. Try it without Teflon tape. And then I do that, and it won't tighten on. And then I tighten it on, but then I can't get it loose again. (laughs) So I finally fix this thing. I get the shower head working. And then you just go, how are we going to solve any problem in the world? (laughs) Like... If a shower head Just to get where I wanted to get five days ago, which was to take a fucking shower. (laughs) Took me five days. Yeah, so Ukraine is in trouble is basically what you're saying. Yeah, how are we going to fix that? (laughs) Took five days to get my shower. And and I think this is where our frustration in life is like there's so much effort to spend getting back to zero. Yes. Yep. Where it's like all I wanted to do was be in the moment before my shower stopped draining. Yes, back and to I finally zero am. It's a great expression. Yeah, um, so but I would say we, back to zero. We we yeah. have, but we do have some good news for you today, Goldie. This was huge news yesterday, okay. and I sent you this story, and I think yeah. you're ecstatic. No. So scientists now Same. have discovered a cure for baldness, and uh-huh. they found something called the caveman gene which apparently allows your entire body to grow unlimited hair. So, Ooh. Goldie, you you got to be thrilled. But that's your whole entire body. You, every week, you, you just love presenting this, quote, good news about baldness as it's though it's news. genuine. Not good, great news. But you also Why did said- scientists need to discover that we can grow hair? We knew this, like... But Certain calling... friends of ours are proof when they take off their shirts. Like, I know you can – it's possible to have hair. It's just – it's a real estate problem. The hair is not where everyone wants to live on my body. It's where no one wants to be. I think – it seemed like scientists were saying we could all be like teen wolves if we want to be. I, I thought, it's not happening. I thought it was great news. I thought you'd be a little more excited today. Like you'd be setting up appointments. Who are these doctors? <laughs> that kind of thing. No. I'm not sure baldness no. needs to be cured, though. I don't know. It's like the the term curing baldness, I don't know if that's really Yeah, like your your deficiencies are not sort of looked at. Your Whatever aesthetically might not be the highlights of your body are not then... <laughs> 
you know, turned into headlines about like we can fix this and that's good news. Like There's perfect a, they, size nose possible. Yeah, they can cure my nose. I think they can do isn't that what they say? Also, I took it as like the way you cure meat. I don't know if it was no. curing like well, in the medical sense. There's a there's a character on TV I noticed that looks how I used to look and it's it's killing me. So I don't know. Have you been watching um Fleischman is in trouble? No. No. Okay. No. So that the Adam Brody character on this he, and it's oh. New York in the late nineties and he Ooh. plays this cool guy and he has this awesome head of hair. He's a good looking guy. He's a great actor too. Yeah. But he's <laughs> basically playing me in the nineties. <laughs> Sounds like hair. it. And my so hair. it's it's very like vexing to me to watch. It's it's like painful to me to watch this because I'm seeing like how I used to look, where I used to live. Right. And it's all it's all working for him. In the era. Right. <laughs> you know. He's but, nailing it. But if you haven't seen the show, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But so it's called Fleischman is in trouble. It's a fun show. It's it's okay. very good. I'm gonna write down. But it's it's one of these shows, and this is how I've gotten wiser with age. Is that so? There's the character who's kind of like me, who's Fleischman. Yes. And I and I think like I'm supposed to see Fleischman is in trouble, and then start watching Fleischman like his wife leaves him, and I'm supposed to go, oh no, oh oh no, Fleischman. When I'm with my wife, I'm supposed to like feel bad for Fleischman, <laughs> right? And then, but the show has a twist, which is around episode four or five. Like you learn Fleischman's kind of a dick, and it's like everything you learned about Fleischman. And so, it it's a husband trap. This show, like what they want you to do is they want the husbands to watch it with their eyes and go like, you see, it's not so easy being a guy and being in charge of everything and being expected to watch the kids. And then you learn like. No, the way Fleischman's been talking to his wife, he fucking drove her insane. He drove her to it, and it's absolutely his fault, and Fleischman's a trap. But you know what I did, because I'm older and wiser? From the second he stepped on screen, I turned to Steph, I go, I fucking hate Fleischman. <laughs> Fleischman's whining. Fleischman is not in trouble. Fleischman has it. a, he's like Prince Harry. He has a series of, like, minor problems that for it's like, oh, Fleischman's on the dating apps. He's getting fucked too much, and it doesn't quite mean what he wants it to mean. And I was like, forget fucking Fleischman and so I did not fall into the trap and so then when it turned and it was like oh you know see what he did it was like I, I was able to kind of go like yeah yeah see, it's I, really I could bad see that. what Fleischman did <laughs> you know well my my only context is I told you first of all that's a great life hack never, and it's a warning I just want never, to warn I it's not yeah. a spoiler alert never so much sympathize. as a husband warning which I yes. may start doing on this show is like <laughs> It's Don't smart. get sucked in to f- if if the second Fleischman comes on screen, just plant a flag and say <laughs> I I, like he has no problems and and his wife actually what's going on with her? Because there's a female narrator, dummy. So it's not gonna wind up being like a, a Fleischman pity party the whole time. Right. Well, that's such a great tip, and and I will confess I haven't seen the show. All I uh, saw was the preview when it came out, but now. That title for me, I think, and if any football announcers are listening to this podcast, which why would they be? If any football announcers are listening to this podcast, Fleischman's in trouble is the greatest sack call for football that you can come up with. (laughs) Oh, this uh, low snap and oh, Fleischman's in trouble. (laughs) I think that's how I'm going to use that. Well, right, next can, week can, we will have somebody. That's yeah. right. Next week we have Mike Lombardi. Uh, Goldie, talk about Mike Lombardi a little bit. So Mike Lombardi, uh, I was just a fan of his. He was on a podcast called GM Shuffle. He was a former general manager of the Cleveland Browns, and he also wrote a book called Rig- Gridiron Genius that was great. So 
I just sort of got in contact with him. I said, I love your podcast. And he's someone who both I admire as a as a personality, a podcaster. He knows a shitload about football, which is fun. But he also writes a column called The Daily Coach. He became a writer. And so I thought it'd be like fascinating to talk to someone who made this career transition. Yeah. And we will do so next week. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, so that's going to be a great show. Next week, we have a fantastic guest today we're very excited about. Mamase Mamasama Makusa. Susanna Makos is here with us. But first, we're going to ruin our lives a little bit with Johnny Jokes. Oh, from what used to be Hollywood, but it's now just a giant puddle here. Where's Johnny's? <laughs> nice. Yes, I hear it's raining out there. Tough for you guys. Not so bad for oh. me. Uh, maybe you heard about this. Uh, New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl Parade added multiple signers to help the deaf community enjoy the event. Uh, you know, just in case Tyler Perry waving alongside Tony the Tiger needed further explanation. <laughs> and that's was that, not was that all. an actual float? I don't know. I actually didn't watch. (laughs) And that's not all. Uh, The NFL announced that they, too, will be having deaf sisters signing the national anthem at this year's Super Bowl. A spokesman for the league said that the broadcast will allow the deaf to enjoy the anthem from she to signing she. (laughs) You know, and here I thought you were going to go with, oh, say, can you hear? (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty good we can, we can tag that in later that's great uh, oh boy okay maybe you heard about this story a doctor accused of intentionally driving off of a cliff with his wife and two kids in the car is now facing charges of attempted murder yeah uh, attorneys for the doctor say he will enter a plea of not guilty by reason of are we there yet yeah are we there yet yeah, yeah, it could be tough. That could be tough. <laughs> All right, let's but, see. Uh, at we least could... we were able to make some light of that murder. <laughs> uh, nobody died. Nobody died. Oh. Attempted oh, murder, just injuries. <laughs> uh, Ozzy Osbourne has revealed that his daughter Kelly has given birth to a son. Uh, Kelly says he's drooling, soiling the diaper, and unable to form sentences. But the baby is just fine. <laughs> Couldn't oh, see that go. one coming. Home run. Closer, All right, closer. Johnny too. Boy, I wish I had one of those, because I'm just letting you know in advance I don't. Well, as mentioned in the introduction, 
devastating rains are pounding Los Angeles. They're hitting everyone hard. And uh, apparently Ellen DeGeneres was forced to evacuate. Yeah. Uh, sources say Ellen brought it on herself because the eye of the storm wasn't allowed to make contact with her. <laughs> oh, that's great. Look at you. You liar. Okay. Well... The trouble at Twitter continues. Uh, reports say corporate headquarters are now disgusting as Elon Musk has stopped paying the janitors. Yeah. Apparently, the restrooms are now full of brown check marks. <laughs> <laughs> These are great. You undersold it on purpose. All right. It's smart. Smart. <laughs> uh, yesterday, the Arizona Cardinals football team announced they're firing head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, kind of came out of the blue. Kingsbury said he was thrown for a loss. Then he ran for a loss. Then he was thrown for a loss. Then he drew a delay of game penalty before having a punt blocked. <laughs> bad football things. Yeah, it's bad bad football things all in a row. Okay, and finally, oh. well, after a contentious floor fight over House leadership was settled, constantly fibbing New York representative George Santos was finally sworn in. He placed his hand on the Bible and then stole the Bible. <laughs> there you go. Uh, All these expressions. The thing is, you came out like a house on fire. It was. It was great. I didn't. Uh, we yeah, got it. We, we never rough. know the right order. We never know the right. This order. week was just rough. No, your rough week means three great yeah. ones out of five. Um, all right, so let's let's bring out our guest. We we are pumped up today. This is. A great friend of ours. We say that sometimes and it's kind of like half true, but this is actually <laughs> true. We love Susanna Makos. She is head of comedy programming at HBO Max. It doesn't matter. And, uh, <laughs> I saw something about Cartoon Networks and I don't know. I was reading all these articles about, you know, you don't have a Wikipedia entry, which is very oh. annoying. You don't hmm. have one. So I'm sorry we didn't have exist. crib notes for you. I know. <laughs> well, that's what I, that's my research for these guests. <laughs> She's on LinkedIn, but the only good thing about being a writer is you don't have to be on there. Same. I'm an executive, yes. <laughs> she's anyway, so let's let's just sum it up by saying she's a big muckety muck over at HBO Max. She's helped us in our careers immensely. She's made us sound funny even when we weren't. So, Susanna Makos, thank you for being here today. Guys, this is great. I feel like this is like when um, you're an Elvis fan and you get to go to Graceland. Like, that's what I feel like. So, we're, we're dead. We died yeah, on the you're toilet. Dead. Maybe we died you, on the toilet. You shot the TV. Oh, perfect. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've told both of you this, you know, separately, and I... I'm an extrovert. I like to be around people. And when we all went home from work, it was really hard for me. And one of the great joys, I don't even know how long have you been doing this a year, year and a half. I started listening to your show every Monday when I walk the dog, if I can. And I just, it makes me feel like I'm having lunch with good friends and laughing Aww. and, and you guys have done such a good job with this. And I, I think it's really, it's really been great for me and I appreciate you very much. Wow. Why, why, why doesn't every guest come on? That was a great on? interview. I yeah. know. <laughs> why doesn't every guest come on with something like that? That was, Susanna, that is so nice. Because most you know, of them are unaware of the podcast until the second true. we hit record. I've listened, I listened every day. I have a group of people I text about. We text our thoughts um, and comments. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. And I, and I also, Chris Sheridan said it, I think too, it was like a keeps me from hanging myself and there were times you know where you're just like am i ever gonna see people again and it, it's just been nice to be with you guys and 
Frankly, my job is talking about comedy and thinking about comedy. And sometimes it's very isolating. And like the things that you've done, analyzing pilots, those are things I've done at retreats to try to seem smart to my corporate bosses. And it's been really interesting and helpful to hear your analysis of it. And um, so I've just been... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think there'd be any of that today. I'm not going to Your analysis of it. It's been great. So I appreciate it very much. And I, and I always think like, what could I, and when Jonathan Gabay, who worked with me, as you guys know, for a really long time, when he, when he was on, I was like, oh, he kind of said the things that I could say, but I feel like I do as a fan, I would like to clear up some misconceptions about myself Mm. that I feel have been for the past year and a half have been, I I actually have some. That you were solely responsible for dads? (laughs) Well, it's more like misconceptions (laughs) about my career, I would like to say, which number one, and I will start with dads. And then you don't talk a lot about making history, which I did with Goldie. And so I really, I really have, I have done both of your, I would say, successfully (laughs) short-lived shows. It's a success that they even made it to air. That's exactly, And it is. And if you've never done this and it, it might be boring, but if you go through particularly the broadcast network process from pitch to script, it is an incredibly small percentage that go to pilot. And it is an even smaller percentage. It would be incredibly devastatingly depressing if people knew how small the percentages that actually go to air. And then second season, it goes down to, you know, almost nothing. So, so it is, you are always talking about these shows as failures. And I, I never saw either of them that way, really. Um, But But because that would make you look bad. (laughs) Possibly, but I think the first misconception about dads is that it was some, this really bothers me. And every time you talk about this, that it was just something we bought because you came in with Seth, which is categorically untrue. And I will tell you why, because first of all, at the time, Am I talking too much? No. no. Talk more. I <laughs> love this. What, what are we going to talk about? Alex, cold shit? Like, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay. So, first of all, at the time, I felt I was really doing well at making single cams that were Fox shows. I had done – I'm not sure the timeline, but single cams, we were crutching. Yes. We could not – figure out how to make a Fox multicam. It was still something true. very important yeah. to us. And I still believe, so, and I still believe that that is something that was probably, that is a failure of my career because there was no reason that I couldn't have cracked that because the Fox audience, particularly at the time, which was known for being male and football, like I feel like I could have done a better job of that. Well, so, wait, can I interject something yes. there? Because I have feelings about this as well. And I, you're very right that Fox had and has problems with, uh, multicams, which yes. is like the traditional sitcom form. But that is no failing of yours. You know, you put together several that should, like the Kelsey Grammer, Patty Heaton one should have gone to the fucking moon. It's it's Fox that yes. has a problem marketing them, packaging them, and putting them out there the right way, I believe. So well, anyway, continue. So it was a, a huge goal of mine for that year. So that's number one. Number two, in all of my analyses that I did of multicams, Great I, I I figured out one thing, and it's actually something that Levitan talked a little bit about, which was a successful multicam, I would almost just put cheers to the side because, but not cheers, there are three sets, right? And in each set needs to be its own interesting television show, right? Yes. So yes. I will I'll use dads as an example. So in your show, you have a workplace comedy with the two guys that are running the video game, you've got a family show with 
crazy, you know, with Martin Mull and with Wellesley's dad. And then yep. you've got a single man housing his dad and, an, and a hilarious rest in peace made. Yeah, so you great. had three yeah. ideas that separately could have been shows, but you, so when you go to each of those sets, you're seeing something different and interesting from each other. So that to me, mm-hmm. when you pitched it, number one, that was like, okay, great. Number two, I had been following Alec like everyone else on Twitter, that was when kind of the heyday. And a lot of people don't know this, but Alec had created a very specific character for his dad on Twitter (laughs) with jokes that no one can repeat here, frankly. (laughs) um, And so, but I knew, and I felt very close to your relationship with your dad. So that's another thing that I knew there was source material to mine there. I did not know about Wellesley's dad at the time, but that was well expressed in the pitch. So the idea that it was just like, oh, Seth is here, it checked literally every box that we had talked about that year. Not to mention you guys were well-known Fox writers and people I'd known for a long time to be hard funny, which is another thing that we were looking for. So hmm. the idea that you this was some nepotism buy is is patently untrue. Now, well, where, where the nepotism I gets that. to... Well, the nepotism does get involved is the size of the commitment, which yes. would we have ordered? I forgot what we even ordered. That was- I'll tell you what it was. It was a guarantee of six episodes yeah. mm-hmm. on air. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that remember. that was that I would say probably was uh, that was a part of it. But the idea that the project itself would not have existed is completely untrue. So I just well, want to clear that up. I appreciate you clearing that up, Yay. and it's so uh, interesting to hear your specific perspective on that. I will say that my point of view is, y- you know, you're there hustling, right? You're the one who's trying to put this stuff together. You're pitching, you're pushing for things, and that is your perspective on this project, which is totally valid. I would say the higher-ups at that point, all they could see was Seth. Like, we passed I, on, I te- dis- we passed on Ted... We passed on Ted and people died or were fired because of it. So we're not passing on this. Now, had we hated the pitch, that was a conversation we probably would have had. Like, is this going to look bad? But it was, it's the easiest thing. And and a lot of people don't think this about my job. Nothing makes me happier than hearing a pitch that I love. Nothing. I do think people have this perception that executives are just sitting there and like waiting, wanting to shit on everything. It makes my day if I my whole existence is about finding projects that I feel like I can champion to the people I work for. And so I it was actually literally and I remember the conversation. I remember going back to Kevin's office and saying, oh, my God, yes, my my boss said, thank God that's really good. I told him about your some of your relationship that I'd read. And then then you get into the commitment level where that becomes a larger corporate issue. But in terms of just pure creative, it was an excellent pitch. I remember it. I only, you know, I only really remember the great ones. And that was a very, very good pitch. Can we hit pause for two seconds? Because he said two things that I just want to linger on that I think are important and that I, I think about as a writer a lot, which is the first is that you are there making a pitch, hoping to solve a problem for someone. Like, I think that's yeah, important. That you're right. People do go in thinking, oh, I'm just target practice. They hear a million of these. But actually, no. they want to love it. They do. And so <laughs> it is your shortcoming if they don't love it. And, th- and that you should look at it as an opportunity and not as sort of a, a trip to the gallows. Yeah. And that, I also yeah. just not, I think people don't understand that 
I am a seller too. You know, I am selling all the time. I have to sell up to everyone. I'm not just this arms folded That's buyer. The second point. Yeah. That you know, there's a sketch on Mr. Show where a guy asks someone for if they can change a dollar and they and the person has to ask their boss and then that person has to ask their boss and they have to and it goes all the way up to the president, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're all needing the permission of someone to do this. And yeah. so when you go to them, you should think about like, how is this person going to package it to sell it above them? And how is that person going to package it to sell it to someone above them? And like, what is the opportunity there? Not just that, like, I have this cool story and my dads are weird. Sorry. But that <laughs> they are. How How <laughs> is this putting together for an alliance of like, oh, right. There's this audience of males that we have through football that we want to get to stick around for other stuff because we can sell them ads for BMWs, and this is how everyone makes money. And so it it isn't just you don't exist in this little box of your little story that you ex- you hopefully in success exist in this much larger economic picture. That's a great point, and 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 Susanna, I, I want to also pause here for a second because Goldie and I have been combined, you know, working for forty years, whatever, more than that. And you meet a lot of executives along the way. And I think there's this perception that writers don't really like executives and executives kind of tolerate writers. And it's sort of an uneasy alliance where they try to strike gold and get something. But you are an exception to that rule. And I'll tell you, not just with with me and Goldie, because we love you, but with people like Mike Scully, who is as entrenched kind of an old school hilarious, he's one of the great writers of all time, but he has a very kind of old school notion of like, you know, some people don't know what the fuck they're doing. And he's, and he's right about a lot of it. But even with someone like him, he makes an exception for you. And I've met a lot of writers uh, in my time who every time your name is mentioned, you are thought of differently in the writer community than I would say most executives. So I and I'm sure that causes no resentment <laughs> among really the nice. executives. Nice. I think the one thing that that number one, I love comedy, right? I do. I I always have since I was a kid. I didn't know what a comedy nerd was. I didn't know what a comedy job was because we grew up at a time when you know you didn't really know about that. But I always right. loved it. I loved sitcoms. It I shows. I, you know, we were the people, we're the generation. I watched sitcoms every day after school because there wasn't anything else on. There wasn't programs yep. just for kids. I watched sitcoms for adults and that's how I learned about the world. Yeah. And, you know, so I I, I really do like, nothing makes me happier than a joke. Like nothing makes me happier than a great joke. I just was reading a script two days ago and there's a joke and I went out and just read it to everyone in the bullpen. Like that's <laughs> the best thing that nothing makes me happier. And I do think certainly most of the people I've worked with are execs that feel that way. There are a few, a, a few that don't, but I, I, most of us are just really trying to make great shows. I, I will say that like most of the people I work with or I've hired or I've like, we really are. And I, I just, and it's funny, I was thinking. Some people don't know how to do it quite as well though. Well, even, and it just even if they want to laugh and they're, they're on True. board, they don't really know how to execute the right notes or, you know, deliver them properly. But, but you, and I will say before I get in too much trouble and it's totally true, tall is thought of the same. You guys are thought of very similarly where writers and creative types want to work with you. They want to work with tall. And I think that speaks to, you know, uh, you're doing a great job. 
And I well, think that you, you continue to get rewarded for that. Well, and I, and I also want to say just, <laughs> I was laughing because I thought, well, we could do a, I could do a thing of like guests you've had who've screamed at me. Like, because, um, <laughs> oh, and I, wow. I, yeah, yeah, because look, and I, I'm, I'm sure Mike Scully wouldn't mind. Mike Scully and I have been through a lot. I've done a lot of shows and pilots and series with Mike and, and our relationship comes from, I think, you know, I mean, I'm not always perfect. I don't always say and do the right thing, but I think at the end of the day, Mike and I have gotten to a place where, you know, we can speak the same language and he knows I'm just trying my best and I'm really just fresh eyes and I, I have suggestions, do them or don't do them. But like, that's my job. And, and I think we've gotten to a good place, but yeah, you, you, these, these are hard. It's hard to be a corporate representative to a creative totally. endeavor. Totally. And that's what can, my job is. Can I ask you a question? Cause you just said the phrase, do them or don't do them relative to yeah. your suggestions. So as a writer, what part of the notes, what percentage do we have to do? Is there some, <laughs> is there some okay. magic number that will make everyone happy? Because I think I get notes and then you, you go, am I, when I was at Sony, it was, it was like, well, we have to respond to each of the, like, they're literally expecting us to wow. go, when you said page three, this, here's what I think. And and when you said page four and, and you're kind of going like, Oh, I'll do it because you're paying me. I don't know why I'm expected to do this. But when you when you give these notes, is there an expectation? I, I I know you think they're all good. Otherwise, why would you give them? But what percentage or whatever makes you feel heard and that the writer has has done a a, a respectful job? Well, two things. One, there's a sliding scale, right? It depends on where you are in the process and where you are in your career. So mm. if you're very early in the process and you're just blatantly not taking suggestions, that's going to be a red flag. Um, yeah. Certainly. And the other thing, Alec, I'll say is I have never, ever felt I had to give notes to justify my job. And the two of you, I Some think- Some people do, though. Yes. And to two of you, I have, I have said to both of you, and I remember very specifically, and I do want to talk about making history for a minute because I feel like dad's takes up all the oxygen on this podcast, but. Because it was way worse. (laughs) I I feel like two of you, I have said to you, no notes. I loved this. Goodbye. And walked out and been thrilled to do it. Like that's the greatest. That is to me like the best thing when we would have a run through and I would be like, bye, loved it. Can't wait to see you on tape night. Like I couldn't be happier to do you that. You have no so, idea what that means to the creative staff, by the way. And, and That's so like that, when the football coach says, we're off Tuesday, see you Wednesday. And the whole team. <laughs> so by doing, but I have to know that we're like in this together. And I think from an early stage, if, if it's just complete resistance, but the other thing is, I worked on um, the first season and the second season of Arrested Development, which was arguably probably the biggest failure of my career, but also has weirdly turned into a success after year after year, which is funny because at the time, oh, just show. feeling like it would never win. And then, you know, now famous. it's become Mitch, famous. Mitch Hurwitz is famously difficult to deal with. And so I'm a brand new executive and I'm giving notes to Mitch. Yeah. And I shouldn't even been allowed to talk to Mitch. I mean, I, I honestly, there's no reason that I should have been in the same room with him. I, at one point, Marcy Ross just like made me give notes to Ron Howard. So I'm sitting there with my oh. friggin' bug slip and my Zara pants, like giving notes to Ron. It's mortifying. I get hot when I think about it now. And I and I and I did it. And and they were Marcy's notes, so I didn't even understand them. And I was reading them. I mean, I'm, and they were so nice. I don't even like to think about it. It makes my armpits sweat. But. <laughs> But Mitch would do this. And I told David Goodman this, and he he was like, you know, that really helped me. This is what Mitch would do. I'd say some dumb thing like, 
I don't know. I don't understand why Michael Bluth doesn't. Yeah. And he would go, it's interesting. And I'd go, huh. Okay, great. Great. So <laughs> next, um, and I would go down and he'd go, interesting. And then my 52 bosses who were too chicken to give him notes and had me give the notes would go, how'd it go with Mitch? And I go, he thought that was really interesting. So <laughs> we're going to talk about it. And it took me mm, 20 episodes to realize interesting meant go fuck yourself. <laughs> but guess what? All I need to do is report back that he's thinking about them. What yeah. I can't, what I don't want to report back is like, he doesn't want to do them. He thinks it's stupid. And these are your notes. And I don't know what to do because you're saying make the show broader. And now Buster's going to have his hand cut off. So I don't know like right. w- what to do with that. And he's going to have a rubber hand for six episodes. So like, I, I, <laughs> that sounds I, funny. Oh, it's a classic. I mean, so, so, so I just say like, there's a way to say no without saying no. There's a way to say, Hey, I under, and, and a lot of times what I really like when people ask me, and this is something that happens a lot in streaming, people will be like, what's diff, what's the no behind the note? Like, what are you trying to say? And that's always helpful to me where I go, Oh, I think this seems a little boring and I'm trying right. to like jazz it up. And it's like, Oh, okay. And, and that, also is helpful. Like I'm always want to have a dialogue. I don't want to just rattle off my notes and have them addressed. I want to like talk about my fresh eyes, what I'm seeing missing and how I can help you maybe unlock something. That's right. really all that I want. You That's know? something I've said to rooms in, in the past, particularly on my second show when I had learned more was I would come back and, and say like, they said this and I don't think we need to do that. And I don't really want to do that. But what they're saying is this part isn't working. And I think they're right. Like it's, you know, you can tell in a scene or, you know, an act where you go, they're not tracking the story. It, it doesn't kind of matter right. right now that like what what we all want is different and better. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah, no, it's great. And I, I think what you're saying in a nutshell is like, you just want to start a dialogue and however you collaborate to get to the funniest version of the show is, is great. You're and not. It's, and it's really different for every person, you know, yes. it's, and, and it should be. And that's, right. that's the thing, you, you know, I, I, not everyone can start saying that's interesting, but it ended up really working for Mitch because, yeah. you know, you would just go back and talk about it yeah. but on, I, I, on making history. I just want to say one thing. Also, it feels like you felt like Chris and it was only because of Chris and Phil, Chris and Phil were there and you, it was a very good pitch, but I will tell you when you turned in the first draft of the pilot, I have only had this happen to me two or three times in my career. We really loved the first draft of the pilot. We gave it directly to our bosses, which we do not usually do, but I think we were pressed for time also. And I gave it to Dana Walden and I still remember, and this has probably only happened to me two or three times. I remember where I was standing in the now extinct coffee bean on uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. And I got an email from Dana and she said, this is the funniest script I've read in a long time. I don't have any notes. Let's make a pilot. Wow. And that has only happened to wait. me. Yeah, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> there you go. And That's awesome. That is how good that draft uh, was of that pilot script. So, so this Thank idea you. that that we only made—I mean, it was that. No, I mean, that was a very I, big I do and don't think that right. Like, I, and I first of all, I appreciate you saying that. And and to, Dana sent me like a very nice email saying that. So yeah. you know, which I was always and remain grateful for. And she was super nice to me and. Like, I, I'm not naive into thinking, like, it didn't help, right? Like, it doesn't hurt to have those two sitting no. there, particularly when they have a big deal with the studio. And so it's like the economic forces are all aligned. But I never really thought that. I, I mean, when I look back at that, and I really should go watch it again, is, I like, I wonder where I fumbled the ball 
you know, that's that's when I when I sit up at night about that, I kind of go, I you know, part of it was I think you take someone who's been in a writer's room and you go, now you're in charge of everything, and and you and I'm like, I'm all of a sudden a CEO of a thirty million dollar yes. business. It's very difficult. It's and a very I'm different like skill set. A guy who likes writing, and now yeah. all of a sudden I'm managing everything, and I'm and I'm about to have a second kid that my wife had to induce, so I could go make the pilot. For two weeks in Georgia, where I've never been, I'm like extremely uncomfortable, whatever. But the, the show in my mind, like kind of at points didn't match the show on the screen, but we started feeling financial pressure so early where, you know, they were like, well, you can't travel in time. You can't do this. And, and I'm kind of going, I don't feel like I lied about what the show was, which was like, we got it. <laughs> produce these things now did i know it was going to be that expensive no because no, i'm a writer I, like i just go i grew up watching quantum leap they went everywhere i don't know how the fuck they did it that's what i want to do is we're just in a different spot and like i don't know how much it costs why would i and, and why would i care like they're like it's losing money i'm losing rupert murdoch's money oh no like this is horrible like I, it's fine everyone will be fine but that that was but I understood because of my newness, like, why would I have the trust to start losing money? Like, I, I get well, that. Well, I think two things. One, time travel shows are very difficult, right? Look around. Yes, look I around. Know that now. Well, look around. <laughs> but, but you had an excellent conceit. I thought also yours was very contained, and that he was going to only be able to go to one specific part. Remember, that yeah, was like yeah, a very yeah. important thing. So that in my mind, I was like, okay. But I also, just because you talk about the personal on this podcast, I think the fact that you had that that baby, that baby um, <laughs> at the exact same time. And I remember um, Sama Zanara, who was, who was there with you, was like, Goldie's really struggling. He feels really bad that he's not with his wife, that they have a mm -hmm. brand new baby. Like, I think that was very challenging. You're su And you're such a sweet, good dad. And you you well, seem very involved with your children. He's getting emotional. He's getting emotional. But, but like, I can my see husband it. wouldn't have cared. Like, he would have been like, bye. Hire, here's a night nurse. <laughs> oh, here we see go. you later. Here we go. So I knew Paul was going to get the knife somehow. I mean, he, I mean, he should see Fleischman. He would love Fleischman. Because Fleischman <laughs> just said, let's get, oh, let's get help. Yeah, like, I, my Fleischman downstairs wouldn't have given a shit about me or my new baby. But oh, my you. God. We're going to have Paul on next week for a counterpoint. You're so sensitive and you're such a good dad. I think it really bothered you. And I think that was a problem. It did really bother. No, I mean, I look back and I you go, how many, how many first weeks of life do your kids get? And I yeah. missed yeah. it. Like, yeah, I missed it. And, you know, and then my kid had to go back in the hospital no, it was um, a very rough I time you were for you. Say your kid had to go back in the womb. That would have been <laughs> That's a tough. And then there, there was there was <laughs> this this uh, Yasser's stand-in. That's Yasser Lester, right? Yes. Yeah, Yasser yeah. Lester. So he played Chris. Well, the, we launched his career, frankly, and he's doing great. And he, yeah. and by the way, that he was, was great a, a great choice that you guys allowed me to make because yep. that I had to kind of put myself on the line for that, and I I turned out to be right. But he had this stand-in who was following me around on the set for some reason and he kept going like hey man uh and at the time i think what was it 26 2016 yeah he kept going like 2019 is gonna be my year and he like <laughs> and he would just keep talking about this and I, i'm like Wait. looking at my kids at home i'm managing all this shit and i'm like all i can think about is why does this guy keep thinking like three years from now it's gonna be his year like why isn't it next year and i'm like <laughs> I'm thinking about this like I can't stop thinking about it. I'm going, why isn't 2018 is here? And I don't even want to talk to him, but he's following me around. 
like I'm I'm going crazy. I'm going like <laughs> I think if you have any emotional issues, right? Yeah. Like if you're going through anything really emotional, being a first-time showrunner on a single camera comedy, it's a yeah. killer. It's and I and I always honestly think doing a single camera comedy is a killer anyway. It, it it's it, really it, hard. Yeah. Bring back multi-cam. And so you you had a, an extraordinary set of circumstances that I think. Well, I was I mean it. It's, thank God I had Jared Hess who had made movies because he essentially like took over. You yeah. Know, like he he. And good guy, this, great guy. He's a great guy. Has great artistic sensibility. Yeah. He'll be coming on at some point soon. But he assessed the situation and knew he knew he was in charge. Like he he knew like I ha- this guy doesn't understand. Like I don't know. Where to put the cameras? I hadn't been on a single camera set <laughs> yeah. ever, and you guys gave me a show. Like, and no that, one that's maybe no one that's said, maybe on me. Really. Yeah, like no one said, like look at the resume, and you go, it's a bunch of talk shows and some animation and dads, and then all of a sudden we're in Georgia having built a, a colonial a village. Town, yeah, yeah, and people are like, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I don't. It was it was a very funny show though. I mean, it like, really it just, was. It Looking was fun, back, it was funny I, on the page. I mean, I, funny on the page. There's still one of my favorite jokes. As a person who likes jokes, I remember this so well. They're they're having a picnic, and she's back. She's from colonial times, and she's back in modern day. And she goes, "This is so lovely. There's not a child's grave anywhere," <laughs> which <laughs> is like my favorite joke. kind of joke. Like I I I still remember. And every now and then, when I'm in a field, I go, "Not a child's grave anywhere." <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. You know, um, so Susanna, you uh, you know, as I as we knew you would, you've just jumped right in with all kinds of great details here, but I want to circle back a little bit. So you grew up in Walla Walla, Washington, yes. which is a very funny comedy name. It is. Maybe so that's you yeah. started out with, with a little comedy there. I, I believe, is it the paint huffing capital of the United <laughs> States? It might I, be. I, I think it, it was rubber cement that might yeah, be. Okay, right. but yes, when you were growing up. It's Look, that better. stuff smells good. It, it sounds great. You can't <laughs> yeah. deny it. So now you've, you've alluded to the fact that when you were a kid, as we were, you know, you come home from school, you turn on the TV and you're watching The Jeffersons. You're watching, uh, you know, Good Times, uh, just adult Ugh. comedies. And so... Do you guys remember love- that show, Too Close for Comfort? Of course. Oh, yes. Yeah, I fucking loved Me that too. show. I would yes. scream laughing at Jim J. Bullock. God dang oh, it. Monroe. Oh, Monroe. Monroe. He was great. And that was that was Ted Knight as well, Ted right? Knight. Yes. Oh, yes. oh, and yes. I would Ted watch it. And I, and I think they only made like 20 episodes. I've seen everyone wow. like 30 times. It's Ted such Knight a great was, show. Ted Knight... Uh, he was for, a cartoonist. For, <laughs> yes. yes. He drew a comic strip. And he had one daughter who had like blonde sort of buxom and then the other one was like brunette and brainy i wonder oh. if that show holds up i'm gonna try to find the pilot i i hear there's a writer who told me that there's an episode that and they must have buried somewhere where monroe gets raped oh god oh, what god. So, like, like that weird different strokes up? i don't, I don't know. <laughs> that remember that, that terrible different strokes yes, episode with yes. gordon yeah. jump have we ever talked about with that? gordon jump as the <laughs> photographer Yes. yes, I remember that. That was so creepy. Traumatic. But Ted, Ted yeah. Knight, we, we should we should just highlight Ted Knight for a minute because he was like a nuclear reactor on 110% all Unbelievable. the time. Unbelievable. He was just Home run comedy. after yeah. a home Every run. Show. Absolutely. So you're watching this stuff as a kid. And did you have it 
even as a dream back then to say like, one day I want to go to Los Angeles and do this? Or how did that come about for you? You know, I I think you guys are about the same age I am in our late 40s. And I'm spending a lot of time thinking lately about like what was really important to me. And I've really crystallized what my goal was as a child. And that was to not be poor. That was all I cared about. I grew up with- Paul said you were going to talk about this. I grew up with very limited and a very limited means household. My mom was single when she had me, married a guy, just a blue collar guy. And I was like, I'm not in the right life. I need to be in a different life. And how do I get there? And so then when I was in college, I, I really- um, I decided I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer because I didn't know what that meant, but I thought I would make money and I would get to live in Hollywood because right. I didn't really think that I could be an actress, but I kind of, you know, deep down, you kind of think you can, but like yeah. you you think you're going to be famous. Everyone who moves here, I don't care what they say. They all think they're, we all think we're going to be famous. Were you doing <laughs> theater and stuff or were you? No, I was too scared. I just wanted to make money. So I was a history major and then I moved out here And then I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I interned at a, I thought being a lawyer was going to be like Ali McBeal. I was like, oh, it's going to be exactly like that. I'm going to wear like a cute suit. I'm going to walk around and I'm interning at BSI Zero. I'm interning at this law firm and it is the worst job. I was like, this is nothing like Ali McBeal. This is a horrible job. So through a series of events, I got fired from that job. And rightly, thank God, I probably never would have quit. I ended up finding out that there are people who pick what's on TV. And I was like, oh. I had no idea. And growing up, I don't know if you guys ever thought that there was people that got to nope. pick what shows no, went on no, TV. No, no, no. So we thought like, it was all like Norman Lear and Gary yeah, Marshall. They pick. The minute that I understood that that would be a job that I could do, that I could work my way into, I never wanted to do anything else. But I, 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 And I would have these friends. I work with assistants. You guys probably know people. They're like, I'm going to go to grad school. I was like, why? This is the greatest job in the world. Like, I, I get to read TV, watch TV, talk about TV. I like, I with my friends, we all like the same things. I have a guaranteed paycheck, which was very important to me. I, I yeah. would have. It was. I had benefits. I had four hundred one k when I was twenty three years old. Like, I couldn't believe that I got that lucky. So then I still kind of feel like that. You're yeah, like well, Rachel on Fleischman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm oh. I'm the one in trouble, actually. <laughs> so so you were you were kind of on the poor side growing up in Walla Walla. You could only afford kind one of Walla. is a nice way. <laughs> one Walla. Yeah, that was it. One Walla. Sorry, um, I stepped on your joke. That's okay. Goldie does that all the time. So you were you sometimes always... it's a mercy killing. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, there it is again. <laughs> I would agree with that, by the way, and thank you. Um, We've talked a little bit on this podcast uh, a while ago about the difference between the network and the studio. Yes. Now, you have always been, I believe, on the network side. So just talk a little bit about some of the differences from your perspective between a network and a studio in terms of like what you guys do to help create a television show. Well, I will say... Now in my job, um, my current job, I am I am also a studio exec on a number of things. That's something that's new as things are getting streamlined. And right. I now have tremendous respect for the studio. And I, I should, I think I've said this to Tall, but I, I would like to say that Tall was probably the best studio exec I ever worked with. We had incredible huh. collaboration. She was great. Because the studio needs to be in the best case scenario. I'm looking at Goldie, not always the best case scenario, but the studio should be the go-between, between the writer and the network. And it should be the facilitator. It's boring to talk about, but they're also kind of the bank. 
but that's no one wants to hear about that. But like yeah. this, in an in an ideal creative relationship, which is what I think you care about, the studio needs the person who's like, hey, Susanna said that she doesn't like this character, but I think really we can change it this way. Let's work together. Let's collaborate and do that. The studio right. is the person responsible for the budget and figuring out you know, the studio does all of that. I have kind of a great luxury and that I get to buy shows and particularly in the network before streaming, I license the show. I put them on and hope for the best. I didn't have to get so much into the nitty gritty of the actual making of the show. I got very into the nitty gritty of the publicity of the show, the marketing of the show, all of that. That was my, it's like I, when I describe it to people not in show business, it's like I'm the account executive for the corporation that is hosting the show like that's what I did and I and so I feel like that's a, a nice thing the bad thing is I have to be the bad guy a lot of times I have to make a lot of hard phone calls I have to give a lot of bad news I have to cancel right. shows I have to pick you know tell people shows are getting canceled I have to fire actors I have to do a lot of stuff that you know is Tommy unpleasant Dewey. hey I want to I want to give you a little bit not a little bit I want to give you a lot of credit right here because you've made a couple bad news calls to me and you did it really well and you did it in such a stand-up way that was not the case the other times I've gotten those calls where the people chickened out and sent the lowest title person they could to front the bad news because they didn't want to get like yelled at which I wouldn't have done anyway but I know that's not an easy thing to do I think you handle it very well and you handle it with just like you really step up and and you do the right thing. You have a lot of integrity. Well, I have very good mentorship in that. And you know, there are only a few people who will pick up the phone and make a hard phone call. And there yeah. and really are less and less of them. And it's a lot yeah. of in show business hot potato of like, well, who's telling them? And it's like, mm, yeah. who's telling them? And and, and then I, a lot of people saying, oh, they'll figure it out. Or, they know. Or like, they must know. Uh, maybe their reps will tell them and then their reps aren't going to tell them because the reps yeah. can fire them. They can fire the rep. Like that's not happening. So and is it just not wanting the stain uh, in this person's mind of this is the person who told me and then if they get bigger later on that they might target me? What's the rationale for not wanting to do it or just avoiding discomfort? I think it's a for me, it is purely avoiding discomfort and not and not wanting to be the bad guy. And it's and it is a muscle. You have to use it. You have to do it over and over. You have to figure out how you're yeah. going to do it. You have every to, season. You must have to do it. Multiple yeah. And times. so the, the, the more that you do it and the more that you see other people do it, like at my old boss, Susan Levison, she'd be like, all right, we're going to make 20 terrible phone calls and she'd yeah. just pick up the phone and do it. I remember I was with her and she was like, I have to call my realtor and fire my realtor. And I was like, this, <laughs> wo this woman had taken them to 150 houses. And I was like, how are you going to do it? She goes, I'm going to start with Chris. I don't have good news right now. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and I, I filed that away. I was like, okay, that's that a good is, way yeah. to start. Like, so, good way to so you, you have to see other people making hard decisions and making phone calls. Yeah. I mean, I won't get into that whole thing, but I did a study of, I got into my, my life crisis was like productivity and I got into the study of decision-making hmm. and, you know, you can only make a certain number of decisions a day before they're bad, right? You, every human being has That's interesting. 10 to, it's a science they've studied in the brain, 10 to 15 good decisions that they can make. Oh, and wow. so wow, I'm lucky if I make two, right? Well, <laughs> it's, but you, it's a muscle and you can use it and you can make it better and you can improve it. And that's something that I try to do. It's like, how am I? And that's why you have to automate as many decisions as possible, right? Because you don't want to waste your brain space. That's where the dumb him wearing the same shirt all the time, all that stuff came from. But right. it actually is true that you can only make so many good decisions a day. And, and a lot of people just 
aren't aren't up for it. Have you had one of these calls go disastrously or memorably wrong? Because I think most people just kind of take it would be my... Yeah, they have to. A lot of people say... Not a lot of people. I would say most people are thankful first that I call. Yeah. And then the one thing is... One of them has been a guest on your podcast. A lot of people want to know more specifically why and what went wrong and why. And can you tell me why? And sometimes the why is like, we liked other stuff more, you know? And so nobody really wants to hear that. They want, that's very hard to hear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's well, good for you for, you know, having the guts to make those calls. And I can tell you from, from our end, as Goldie said, we, we really do appreciate the frankness of, uh, of the way you handle that stuff. I will say it's been a lot harder to do in streaming just because the timeline isn't the same. Like I used to make all the passes at the same time I used to. So I, I, I've not been as good about doing it in my new job. Now it's just a roll. Listen, we know you spent the last three and a half years doing one episode of this. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) I know. I mean, and also it's like Alex said, it isn't, it is a rolling thing. So I will forget, you know, it's just really, anyway. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, now, speaking of, because this is something that I, I'm curious about, and it's it's true for the writer as well, unless you're in a very lucky situation like Goldie and I are with Family Guy in a show that that miraculously seems to keep going. But how do you ever relax in a job where it feels like the ground under your feet <laughs> could drop out at any moment? And, and whether it's because of people decide, oh, you're not making the right decisions, or it's a change in power at the top. And so then there's always kind of a wholesale change wherever you are. Is it because you you were at Fox for a very long time. You've now been at HBO Max. You've been at HBO Max now for several years. Do you feel like you've somehow figured out a way to kind of be relaxed in this in this business where change is just a big part of it? Um, Lexapro. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. When in two, I, I say this, I'll tell this to anyone who listened. In 2013, I went on Lexapro, and it's the best thing that I've ever done in my life. And if anybody is e- Sorry, even Paul, even kind of thinking like, "Huh, I should dabble in that," run, don't walk, because it will change your life. If you are a prisoner of anxiety, and you you don't even know what a pr- being a prisoner of anxiety is, but yes, joking what? aside, I mean, I'm not joking. That is very no, serious. I know, I can tell. What's a, a comp there? Xanax? <laughs> no, it's a no. daily medicine. I, now I've switched from Lexapro because it made me egregiously fat to uh, Trintilex. <laughs> I was fat and very happy, but now I take another one. Trintilex, ask your doctor. But but I will say, <laughs> all I do, 
the, the main thing about me is I really just try to focus on what I'm doing now and what I can control. And that is very difficult. And it's certainly very difficult for me unmedicated, but what I can focus on what I can control and I can control after I hang up with you guys, I'm going to give notes on a couple of things. I'm going to have, you know, I just have to take it day by day. I can't, if I start thinking like, oh, how, what's the streaming business model and what's the, uh, a gift that I have. And I always say this to my boss, Sarah Aubrey is like, I don't really play chess. I just play checkers and it's yes. easier for me. It's <laughs> me just too. like, I'm like, I'll just jump here and maybe I'll get kinged. I don't know. But like, <laughs> if I, if I start trying to think too big picture, like I just don't have the ability to do it in a kind of a good way. So it's just like, I'm trying to focus on making these shows the best I can. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's great that's advice. Great. And Trintalex, this episode is brought to you by Jesus Trintalex. Christ. What a gift. <laughs> Now, what what about this scenario, which I'm sure must have happened to you probably a few times in your career, where there's some project that comes in and you're you're reading the script and you're like, eh, I don't I don't really like it, but the bosses say we're going with this. <laughs> like, how do you throw yourself into something that you don't fully believe in? Well, this is a fantastic question. <laughs> um, it it does not happen as much in streaming. But in broadcast, and and I don't know, one day, like maybe I'll do, I, I think it would be very interesting to talk about how you go from hearing 300 pitches a year to making two series, because yes. there is a, there, there used to be, and I don't know, you guys maybe know, there used to be a very set month by month, almost calendar as to when those decisions were made and how it worked. But when we used to make 10 to 15 pilots, there were definitely favor pilots made. And I was assigned favor pilots all the time favor um, meaning it was a favor to, to someone to a to studio someone. to a now now this again this is years ago i do not think this right. goes on again anymore but there were definitely we got to do one for imagine there's a specific project i'm thinking about that we made a hundred percent as a favor to imagine this is right. again over 15 years ago so yes um but i it's like, I would say, like, I serve at the pleasure of the president. Like, if we have to do this, they pay my bills. They're doing this. It's not my money. It is my slate. But one out of 10 pilots, fine. We Everybody settle down. Like, the, the right. younger people would get very worked up. It's like, guys, who knows? And sometimes one of them, frankly, went to series because it was actually really good. And, like, That's so you, cool. you, you, we don't know. Nobody really knows what's going to yes. work. So if you're going to make a favor pilot, Again, if you're if you're paying the bills, that's one thing. But if if Rupert Murdoch's chief wants to make a favor pilot at the time, it didn't matter. It's fine. Okay, well, that's that's such a good like yeah. you know honest, realistic answer. And and, and, then, and here's and yeah, then honestly, ahead. I didn't have to stress it. Like I'd be like, oh, that table read was not good. Like I didn't have <laughs> to. It was actually right. I was like, good. That one's just going. I don't have to worry about that. I didn't advocate for that. Yes. Well, here's a question that feels like they're they're kind of hand in hand. How do you how do you tactfully go against someone that you're working for, your boss? Like if you disagree with them and you want to let them know, but you can't just sit there, pound your fist on the table and say, this thing that you like sucks. Is there a way that you figured over the years like to subtly get get them off something? During my time at Fox, I had 13 different people I reported to. I counted wow. that. Whoa. Wow. Um, yeah. I had 13 different people I reported to, and I've reported to only like two or three people in my new job. Every boss is different, right? Some people want to hear dissent. They want to be argued with. Some people do not. Some people, you learn you you learn people's things. Like I, I'm talking about Kevin a lot because he wouldn't care, but Kevin yeah. had sort of famously passed and, and on. nobody the, listens. Right, exactly. Okay. Kevin had famously passed on The Walking Dead, which oh, was- yeah. 
a disaster. I mean, right. he had, I believe he had actually passed on it twice. He passed on it at FX and he passed on it at Fox because he was like, oh. and, and look, all of this is judgment calls. So I was desperately trying to get Last Man on Earth greenlit. And he was very concerned that, that you, I don't know if you guys remember, that was just the weird, you know, Will Forte's so alone was that it show. It was like an art piece though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so this is kind of before streaming, we're at Fox, we're already known for trying to be too cool. I'm already in all kinds of trouble because of the Mindy project. Like, so I, I'm <laughs> desperately trying to get him to pick up Last Man on Earth and he's really struggling. He's like, I, I don't know. It's one guy for, we couldn't even make a pilot. We had to go straight to series and we're sitting on his desk. And he's quiet. And I go, yeah, it could just, you know, end up being like The Walking Dead. And he looks at me and he goes, and he like never thought, he never listened to me or looked at me half the time. And he he looks at me and he goes, you know, I I passed on that. And I go, (laughs) oh, I I, I didn't didn't realize that. And he was like, he's like, fuck it. This job's about taking risks. So like I had had listened enough to know like that that was bothering him because The Walking Dead and Last Man on Earth, those are a one or a 10, right? Those projects are either going to be amazing or you're going to get in trouble. And it's a hard, it's a hard call to make. And so I knew the like, so you learn with every boss like what they want, what their triggers are. Can I follow up a, a question with that? Let's say he didn't pass on The Walking Dead it's possible that the show could have turned out completely differently than the way AMC did it, right? Yes. Or, okay. So it may have been the right call for the show anyway. It doesn't feel yeah. like that, JC. Okay. It feels, <laughs> like, it feels like you were sitting on a fucking gold bar and you just right. threw it in the garbage. Like, that's yeah. what it feels like. You know yes. what I, and this is one of the things I love the most in life. And, and whenever I see someone walk away from a slot machine angry, I put in a, <laughs> I a ticket. <laughs> and then you pull it, because I've had it maybe three or four times, just hit right away. And that's what it is. And no. if, if you're the person pulling it right after, it's the greatest feeling in the world. No, when you pass, yes. I've, I've passed on i won't go into it but i've passed on stuff oh i i passed on big mouth they pitched me big mouth at fox oh wow and jonathan cabay was in the pitch with me and we walked out and i was like that is disgusting (laughs) 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 and he goes Susanna, i think that's really good he's like we can't do it here because of standards but like that is really good i was like oh I'm gagging. They're talking about periods. And I was like, I did not see it. I did not get it. I was like, you go tell them. I'm not doing that. And so, like, I just, there are things you just don't see or get. And I, I love I love your that's honesty. Funny. That's amazing. <laughs> so funny. And and congrats to the uh, Andrew Goldberg and Nick Kroll, the Big Mouth yes. guys, who Andrew worked with us. He was Sass assistant. I was like, years. assistant. I know. Period show. Good Gross. for him. Good for him. He made good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, now I I want to because this is sort of always interesting I think to to us and to our listeners. W- what do you do? Like, did you, do you have any like actor problems that stand out to you over the years? Obviously, we don't have to get into names or anything, but have there been times where it's like you had something seem like it was good about to go or going? You you got what you thought was the, the right talent, and then it's like, oh shit, this person is so fucked up and now this show is dead you know i haven't had now that i'm thinking that where they were directly the problem that comic people generally or i don't know maybe it's because we're such all such underdogs and comedy like i'm i'm thinking i don't even famously difficult people that later turned out to be difficult i never really had trouble with them like the most famous person i probably ever did a show with i guess is rob lowe and he was like 
incredible. I mean, Goldie, yes. like he's just like the greatest. Oh, it's Goldie's guy. Like, buddy. Yeah, I, he was I great. Yeah. And the the great thing about Rob Lowe is he knows he's Rob Lowe, and he's able to see you experiencing Rob Lowe, and so he gives you like concierge style Rob yeah. Lowe moments that you can report back and tell everyone wow. like I had this moment with Rob he, Lowe. He's the most Rob Lowe-iest. Yeah. And like, Goldie, he, Goldie, you had that funny story about like he pretends to like whatever team you like. Yes, he basically. I met him and. I was wearing a Patriots hat, and he's and he's like, "You're a Patriots fan?" I'm like, "Yeah," and he's like, "I'm a Patriots fan." I was like, "Why?" Because you 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 were out here, and he's like, "No, no, no, man." Because I grew up in in Ohio, and then I moved out here, and then I was in Malibu, and like I didn't have a team, and then Don Brady came, and I was a Patriots, so I became a Patriots fan. I was like, "That's so cool." So then he walks in to meet the Grinder writers on the first day, and uh, Greg Malins is wearing a Seattle shirt, a Seahawks yeah. shirt, and he goes. You're a Seattle fan? Yeah, he's like, I'm a Seattle fan. And I'm sitting there going, no, he's a Patriots fan. But he just like, he just did it for both of us. The glory of And then he was famously on Instagram, at least. He had that thing where he he was wearing a cap that said NFL on it. And people were making fun of him. Because they're like, oh, you're a fan of the whole league. And and he was very funny about that, too. Where I think he, but he owns this stuff, which is so funny to me. Like, he'll he'll be like, yeah, I said that. He's unapologetic. I've never had that. Let, let's talk a little bit about hacks because this is something now that it's a going concern. Did you know that was a show I did, Alec? Uh, yes. Did yeah. you know I was involved in that? It was, it was on your LinkedIn page. I, I received some <laughs> feedback from Alec that I was posting too much about hacks on my Instagram. I took the feedback. I took the feedback. Yes, you did. I appreciate that. We, we understood. But here's – so hacks is – now you, they're showering the show with Emmys. It's got to be a great feeling. And you actually get mentioned at the Emmys. Is that like mm. is that a goal for executives or is that just like holy shit that was so nice of them or was it just like were you at home or were you there just cheering like holy shit or were you like damn straight I gave them that and they better remember <laughs> No I first of all I'm referred to hacks as the career saver because uh, that's what I was really you, you didn't know, need saving No no I got this job this other job in streaming I was known as like a network girl I wasn't it was not a clear choice and I'm thankful to Kevin and Sarah for hiring me because I, I you know I wasn't an obvious sexy name to come and do this streaming job and so that really I was very I am very grateful and thankful to those guys um to Jen and Paul and Lucia for that and you know again that is just a show I heard the idea and I loved it. And I knew in that moment that I was like, that's going to be an important show for me. And Were you worried? Because people always say, well, don't pitch stuff about show business because it's inside based. Like that's kind of a rule, an unwritten rule. Like why did this, uh, you know, go around that? It's I have three true loves. I love comedy. I love Vegas. Paul. And and I and I love old Hollywood, right? So right. those were and and yes, three true. <laughs> and so that combined all three things that I was passionate about. And so it was like it's just the easiest thing. And then in the pitch, the character of Deborah Vance was just such you know, everything we were doing at Max, we wanted to do female forward. The character of Deborah Vance was such an iconic character. We did not have Gene at the time. Um, but you knew that it was gonna be 
a, a special character. And, and so it just combined all of the things that I loved. And as for the Emmys, I will tell you, it was incredibly meaningful and it is a dream. And every time one of my peers is mentioned, I burn and seethe with jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's ex- the exact answer I was hoping for. Again, incredibly, seethe. incredibly like, oh, honest. really? Really? I don't even think she was in the pitch. Like that, that's what I, that's what I just think. You know, we, we should we have- do a live Emmys broadcast with you this year, just for the comedy <laughs> ones though. Like we should go on. And do a podcast watching those awards. Yeah, well, it'll, like it'll, be, it'll, hack. Oh. it'll be it'll be tough for us because we'll be sitting at home and Susanna will be there. So Ooh. I don't think oh, right. that I'll, I'll be in I'll be in seats with three letters. You know, yeah, right. orchestra triple, triple L. L. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Now we actually just a sidebar. We did a bit on Family Guy recently about hacks, where it's just like oh. people just. People just saying the the na- Gene Smart's name with reverence. They're like, "And did you watch Hacks?" Oh, Gene Smart. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, she'll love Smart. that. Yeah. <laughs> so we awesome. we that's our best version of of honoring somebody when we try not to. Shit <laughs> I feel on them. like this is going so long, but I want to tell. I want to talk about Family Guy for a minute. Can talk. we? Or can we just? Go. Or uh, yeah, Janice please. is like, "Am I just talking too much?" Just you can no. edit it out. No, yeah, no, we we no, we love guests <laughs> we need, who talk. Yes. Believe yes. me. <laughs> okay, so. This is an example of always say yes. And because I would say that covering Family Guy was a huge turning point in my career for many reasons. As I said, I had covered Arrested Development. I was covering Malcolm. They had me covering Mad TV, which talk about a show no one cares about. But like <laughs> I, I learned a lot covering that show. So I'm sitting in my office. Marcy Ross comes into my office and she says, do you watch Family Guy? I had never. I'd seen like half of an episode. And I was like, absolutely, love it. And she goes, (laughs) we're going to be, because also lie, always lie and say yes. Yes. (laughs) And and she said, we're going to be doing a reverse pickup. Because a lot of people don't know this. Family Guy not only was canceled twice, when it was brought back, it was only brought back so 20th could sell DVDs. Like That yes. was the only reason it was brought back. It was perceived as the failure is not even the right word. It was perceived as like dead, dead. And dead we money. did it as is, is basically a business transaction. And she's yeah. like, we need someone to cover it. We're not even sure if we're even going to put it on, but we're going to make them because they're going to make the money. And this is three years before it came on. I said, absolutely. I'm in. Go on to, and I, I told JC this when we were prepping. To be in a table read with Seth, where Seth does all of the voices, where Seth sings songs, where Seth then was, I was giving notes and talking to Seth, barely any notes, but talking to him and being with him after that. I I really don't think that you can be in the presence of anyone more talented. I I really don't. And I I think it's- also drawing. Yeah, drawing everything. He does it all. And the more you get under the surface of knowing Seth and understanding Seth, it, it was it was a tremendous gift to me, and I've I've gone to I don't know how many table reads in my career. A lot, five hundred, seven hundred. The best table read I've ever been to was the Star Wars table read. I still oh. remember it to this day. To be there was an I, I remember looking at Marcy Pretto and being like, "This is a gift that we're here." And David Goodman taught me so much about how to be an executive. He was such an incredible showrunner. Getting to know oh, you guys, totally being with all, yeah, it was just and and so if. I had not said to Marcy when she walked into my office, have you ever watched Family Guy? Absolutely, love it. I would have missed out on so, just so much of my comedy brain and how I think and how I learn and and jokes and just experiences driving there and waiting for Seth. Remember we would wait like- Wait, 
not, an hour. Not an hour. Like sometimes yeah. it'd be like two hours and they'd be like, yes. he's 10 minutes out. He's 10 minutes out. I but I'd like chit chat with you. And I chit chat with like, and it just was such a great experience for me. And I just, I, I just always say that you watch something and always try to do it. Always try to get the experience. It's just so worthwhile. Yeah. And I'm just so thankful. That's yeah. great advice. And also, I mean, listen, that that was lucky for all of us that you lied in that moment because <laughs> since then you've done things for us. You've helped us out. You know, it's, it's, it's like a two-way street. So and that's we've done nothing for you. So, you know, it's, <laughs> oh, it's one, hand, one hand washes the other I mean, and the other hand's to, filthy. <laughs> I get to do the top five, guys. Like, <laughs> yes, and that, pretty, that, it's a pretty big deal. And that's coming up very soon. I just want to do this one last self-serving note to you in okay. front of witnesses right now. <laughs> HBO Max reaction videos. Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, reaction videos, I I listen, the other two I don't give a shit about them. I'm hooked on them on YouTube. And I watched one last night, this guy watching Kill Bill for the first time. It was one of the funniest things I've seen in like a year. (laughs) And I'm telling you, you already have the content. It's there. You don't have to pay these reactors much at all. They're not like, you know, above the line talent. You you simply double your content by agreeing to do something like this. I would watch all of that on HBO Max, especially because you guys have so many great properties. So I got I got to tip my cap to you because when I go on that app, and I don't say this about every app, like there's always five or six things where I'm going like, oh yeah, amazing. Like maybe not right now, but market come back to it. I mean, there's it it it's great. I I don't love the layout of it. I love um, that's not my department, but that's not your department. <laughs> but but there, I, you've you've done so much quality stuff that it's, and, and that, yeah, that I will you guys say, quietly I, acquired Turner Classic Movies, which is I go there, I live there, which is awesome. I will say that this one of because I, I'm lucky enough to see a little bit behind the curtains of the HBO process and the HBO machine and what it is. Every single person I work with, from the head of business affairs to the head of production to the head of all they care about is making a great show. And I've never worked with a crew of people that always put that first. When I would call early on with Hacks, I had to overage whatever. You and Jean had this terrible tragedy. We we had to absorb a lot of things. It was ne- it was like, how can we help? How can we get the show back up? What can we do? It was never like, well, that shutdown's gonna. I mean, it. And and I I'm so and you can see it in their programming. I was lucky enough. I went to the Last of Us premiere last night. It's an incredible show. Oh, I can't it, wait for that. It, it's made with so much yes, love. Pedro's yes. incredible. It's it, like they are just the 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 commitment to excellence from every department at that company and the pride in the product. It really it's really noticeable. And I it just comes I through. love being it's, a part HBO's of it. HBO's the gold standard. It has been for a long time for people like us and it's it's great to see that you're there. Well, yeah, I mean even just the use of Vegas in hacks really helps and you know i know that stuff isn't easy to produce and i know it's quite costly but it, it and during makes, covid we were doing it. i mean it, it was really great. helps make the show yeah you know it looks great and it was it was never a question it was never like can we just go to pacoima like it was never that <laughs> yeah you didn't answer the reaction videos thing but that's okay because we are <laughs> running out of time so let's just roll right in to a very exciting top five top five Oh, it's so appropriate that they're singing right there because we got this. Whoa, what a great topic this was. Who suggested this? Oh, yeah, it was me. Right, when, JC, so week, when JC told me, I went, oh. Wait, so did Goldie. Did so you did go? Goldie. Hate it. <laughs> wait, did I didn't hear that, JC. I didn't so quiet. One moment. Let me turn this up. Ready? Ugh. <laughs> yes. Yes. I got to make that reaction. louder. 
All right, so this, this week... Is the, this is the second cold shit of the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go first. Can I go first? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The guest has the Please. choice. So we're doing this week, it's top five songs with a choir in it. So, Susanna, take it Okay. Away. First of all, this is a terrible topic. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but... Damn. I was like, ah, oh, I liked when JC did the re- places to relax. I liked that one. <laughs> I, I liked, I, I was like, oh, I, I, I pitched you one. I wanted to do top five comedy sketches of all time. Oh, that's I, a good one. I was completely shut that. down. But okay, here's, here's, here's my top five. Number five, honestly, it's the entire album, but it is, I chose Diamonds on the Soles of Their Shoes from that's Graceland. That's a great pick. Because great pick. Graceland is, um, we every year drive up to, we bought a little house in Walla Walla and we drive up there. It takes three days. It's an excruciating drive with the dog <laughs> in the car. And the last hour, we always put on the full Graceland album and the miles just fly by. The whole oh. family singing. Incredible. Fantastic album. It, honestly, great you choice. could almost do all five songs from that album in my great, great. And that would, yeah, and that would just get you out of this whole <laughs> task. <laughs> No, do you see how much fun she had talking about it? You guys. Okay. Number four, we don't need another hero, Tina Ooh, Turner. Shoot, great that's a great one. To, if you're if you're exercising, that comes on. You're just like you're you're like jet fueled. I love that. <laughs> Number three, this is my age, and this is tell me you do not know every minute of this song is like a prayer. Madonna. Oh, yep. crossover. Classic. Yep. Classic, classic <laughs> song. Number two, I am famously bad at lyrics. Um, I do not know any lyrics. I thought that um, Big Old Jet Airliner was Big Old Guy Named Jed for a very long time. <laughs> awesome. Like until very, until very recently that I was like, not no, it's close. Big Old Guy I thought it was We Go Jet Airliner. Yeah, I, had, I wasn't even in a ballpark, but it is Man in the Mirror, which until... Uh, yeah. Until like two years ago, I thought it said that my mustache can't get any grayer. But it, it is the message can't get any clearer. But I thought it was mustache. Um, until two you couldn't years even ago. grow one. But that, but Man in a Mirror, an incredible song. Sorry, yes. he yep. overlap, saved overlap very badly. That song. City. Number one, the very best song with a choir. Maybe the most important song ever put down for those oh, of us in this industry is moving on up. The Jefferson's theme song. Oh, wow. not nice where I twist. thought. Wow. And the nice. TV side comes out. Do you see how great that list was? And you were poo-pooing it. You poo-pooed <laughs> it. Poo-poo. All right. So now I'll go so we can resume our traditional order. Uh, <laughs> number five for me. Here's overlap. Like a prayer. You don't need Ooh, to say much more about yes, that. Yes. Number four for me. Maybe the ultimate all-star choir of all time. We are the world. Ooh, we got uh, overlap. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Number three, a little song by Carly Simon called Let the River Run. Oh, God. From Working Girl. It has an amazing choir in it. And a little sidebar, there was a kid from my high school who was like a real castrati tenor who was in that choir. Oh, cool. So I just wanted to shout that out. <laughs> Number two, this song, may, I, I, I spent so much time staring out the car window into a dark New England night to this song, I Want to Know What Love Is. Ooh, uh, yeah, I had a choir that in that one. Yep. And number one, Susanna had it at two, Man in the Mirror. Can't oh. beat it. Cannot oh. beat it. Oh, nice. Right. Great list. So I'm going number five. I got like a prayer in there. Woo! There you go. Yep. I, I'm going number four. I had Man in the Mirror. Oh, there you wow. go. Overlap. Number three, 
Somebody to Love. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. That's is, great. Is that yeah. the Queen, Queen version or the... Yeah. The, okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, I'm putting the an entire album of the Langley School... Uh, have you ever heard this? The Langley School Music Project. It's this no. high school. It's this like no. school children from the 1970s singing David Bowie. Oh, oh wow, cool! It's awesome. incredible. Huh. Look up the Langley School and listen to that. I mean, okay. it's like too. so moving. That's great. And number one, and I can't believe, I can't believe, no one had this. <laughs> You can't always get what you want. I know. I don't like this It was in my honorable I don't like mention the list. No. I love that song. I think I'm it's a, a great I'm choice. I'm a Tom Petty, not Stones person. They're, they're not comps. You yeah, can like they both. Are. They are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, my number five is a modern song by Andra Day called Rise Up. I, I, oh, yeah. I hear it almost every day because I cool down on my Peloton and I sing and it's like vocal warm-ups. It's an amazing song. Awesome. Can I just stop you on the word Peloton and say one thing? I hadn't done it for a while, mm-hmm. and I went back yesterday, and it was the first time I saw next to my name M50s. <laughs> oh, no. Welcome. I was like, even I'm looking at this going, oh, this is old piece of shit. Goldie, do you have a workout? Goldie, do you have a special thing that stops your balls from being crushed on the Peloton? Because I found every time I've been on the Peloton, like it's like my taint is pushed up into my stomach when I when I'm get off. Do you have that problem? Are you wearing <laughs> boxer shorts or something? Uh yeah, I'm wearing normal clothes. No, what no, should no. I be Just, wearing? You got to get like running shorts or yeah, something yeah. or like a liner. biking shorts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they have you like a get t- they have a taint pad. <laughs> they do. Yeah. They make All them right. with those. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm into it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> number four, Freedom ninety. George Michael. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. my right. God. Yes. yes. And I've yeah, and thank had the you for pleasure. including the ninety. People don't do that often. Yes. <laughs> um, number three, like a prayer. Yeah. Madonna. Number two. I want to know what love is. Crossover, boom, boom. Actually, that was the song that came up first when you gave that topic. Me too. And my number one, We Are the World. Yes, love yes. the crossover. Yes. And I want to just, I want to shoot in all these honorable mentions because I was so pissed I couldn't include them. The theme from Free Willy, uh, Michael Jackson, great <laughs> oh. choir song. Oh. Uh, that song I mentioned to you, JC, Lay Down by yeah, Melanie, which I had never heard of. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yes, great that choir. was on my... And also Walking in Memphis. Oh, great nice. song, yeah. great choir. And a little help from my friends by Joe Cocker. Yep. Good. I listened to it, cried yesterday. Maybe I needed to cry. Really? That's know. so yeah. funny. I hate that version. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh I like it. That's I awesome. Like it. Can I tell you something? I like it. Um, <laughs> all right, what do we have next week? Well, you know, it's interesting. I had a choice of three, and one of them was um, SNL sketches, but I had gone with something else. Should I just go with that? If, yeah, because... do it in honor of our guest. In yeah. honor of our guest. We're but doing it shouldn't be SNL. You should do all sketches. Oh, boy. I love it. That's my Yeah, I love it. Do all sketches. All right, we opened up Mr. Show, basically. Is all well, and Chappelle. You open up Oh, and, and Kids oh, in the of Hall. And you, like, then you can really – and then people can watch them. That's yeah, what I'll I tell you. Can that. I tell you my number one of all time that I make yes, everyone please. who works yes. for me watch? <laughs> Continental Breakfast from Key and Peele. Oh, yeah. Really? I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. Haven't seen it. Please, go after this. It is a, a guy who's never experienced continental breakfast before. And Jordan <laughs> Peele is so funny. It, it's, it, it destroys. Yes. You know, okay. for, for Key and Peele, Peele is key, but Key has a Peele. 
Ooh, wow. You've been so, sitting on that for 11 Goldie, years. Goldie hates that. <laughs> so the, what is it? It's top five sketches yeah. of See, all comedy time. Comedy sketches. Comedy sketches. That's a joke I should have stepped on. <laughs> <laughs> Third gold shit. <laughs> all right. So that sounds like a good category for next week. And let's end this show as we do every week on a high note. Thank you, Tom and Max. We love that. Um, Susanna, do you have a high note? Do, do you want me to go? I, I feel like sometimes sure, people go. go. Sometimes go people don't. Um, other than doing this podcast, which has been <laughs> wonderful way to start the morning, I feel very happy about it. I oh, think my high note so. is we just got back from Costa Rica. And if you have not been, you should go. It's an incredible place, particularly if you have teen children. It's um, great and special, special, special country. Do you surf? Awesome. No, but the waves were, we boogie boarded and it was incredible. Fun. Oh, boogie you're on the board. Pacific side or the, on, on the other coast? Which coast? We were on Manuel Antonio. I don't really know geography. I, <laughs> I don't know where Pacific. we were. I just know places. <laughs> awesome. All right, that's awesome. Well, note. I had a high note all planned out for today, but I'm going to shift it to Susanna being here because. I thought you weren't doing that anymore. Oh. I know, <laughs> but you know what? You were so good and I yeah. knew you would be and. Uh, your answers were just so honest and so funny and you have such great stories that uh, I'm, I'm switching it to you and my, yeah. my Thank friend you. The, who had a dad who was a Korean war veteran will have to wait another week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. It's been awesome to be here. Yeah. Um, well, I my high note, yes, obviously, it has been such a pleasure to have you on, Susanna. But um, but we still weekend, have Stu. <laughs> well, this one goes out to Josh Freeze. And it was oh. his 50th birthday this weekend. And it was an incredible birthday party thrown by his wife, Nicole. It was at the Jim Henson's lot. Jim Henson mm. lot. Is, that is, that is cool. which is, is that the famous Nicole? No. A different <laughs> right hole. <laughs> anyway, um, it was uh, held, which used to be the old A&M studios, which is where We Are the World was recorded. Mm. And the actual party was in that studio where did you use the same ego check that they used at the door (laughs) Ooh, nice what was the ego (laughs) check that's a bob geldof famously said you got to check your ego at the door that's yeah (laughs) that's amazing the one thing i know about that song yeah there was it was a really special weekend great well susanna you were awesome you're not my high note yeah my high note is stew not (laughs) jc's stew oh my wife yesterday, in the midst of all this rain, made this beef stew uh, for dinner, and it was like receiving a soup hug. I felt warm. I felt taken care of. I felt loved. And I just sat and I ate it and thought about how lucky I am to have my family and have this nice nourishment in the midst of this, uh, you know, horrible weather. It was just... So I was sitting there, and each spoonful, I was like, this is amazing, my life. Oh, that's great. I love it when Goldie And I got very emotional emotional indeed. indeed. (laughs) (laughs) She was only 15 years old. Um, All right. Well, what a great episode. Susanna Makos, thank thank you you again for being here. Thanks, guys. So fun. You were fantastic. Goldie and JC, thank you two for being awesome. Thank Thank you. you all for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs> no, Tamar- you won't. Tamar- <laughs> Tamar- <laughs> Tamar- <laughs>